Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When we get up in the morning and we go out into the world to engage the world, one of the primary motivators that directs us in our daily life is a motivation or a desire to be accepted. Certainly another very important motivator is that we often have to make enough money to pay our bills or pay our debts, but a very important motivation that does govern many aspects of our life is a desire to be accepted. That This is a very powerful motivator that will drive people to make decisions in their daily life. For example, we will often discriminate who we will spend our time with, We will often discriminate the kinds of activities that we will do and make choices with regards to what kinds of activities we will get involved in with other people because of this need to be accepted. Now, this need is a very powerful need and something that should not be underestimated in any way whatsoever. This is a need that we were given by our Creator. He designed us to have this specific need, and so we should not be concerned about it in that sense and wonder why we have it or try to find some way to remove it from our life, that's not the important thing. The important thing is to first acknowledge that it is a need that we have, and it is also important to acknowledge that it is a need that our Creator gave us to have, that it is something that He gave us as part of our engineered design. However, it is a very powerful motivator, and we will often make many important decisions in our daily life as a result of this. One of the important decisions that we will often make has to do with the kind of work that we will pursue or the kind of work that we will engage in. And the way that this relates has to do with the identity that we obtain by the type of employment that we find ourselves involved in. Quite often we will have an identity based on the kind of work that we are doing, based on our role in the community that we are a part of. And given this particular identity that we have, People will often accept us in different ways or reject us in other ways. We will obtain acceptance or rejection. We will obtain this through our participation in the society that we are a part of. Now, this does not always have to do with our employment, of course. There are other aspects in life. For example, when integrating within a small group of people that we do work with or people that we come in contact with that we would like to interact with, whether they are people that we work with or not, In these groups of people, there's a very common thread that you find within these groups of people. One of the most important common threads has to do with the principles or beliefs that these people hold to. And so in addition to the kinds of work that they do for a living, often their beliefs, their personal convictions, their values are things that will bind them together and bring together many people into a type of fellowship that they can all enjoy where they can experience acceptance from each other or perhaps others as well. This is a very real part of the world that we are a part of. And because of this, quite often we can be tempted to conform to those people's beliefs, to their convictions, to the values that they have. We may consider adopting some of the values or convictions that they have in order to be accepted by those individuals and enjoy the acceptance that they are willing to provide 
if we are willing to conform to their principles, their rules, their beliefs. This is often described as peer pressure that often controls and motivates many people's lives depending upon the degree of acceptance that they are trying to find from other people. As a result, of course, they can also be very well manipulated by other people who can see that they are wanting to obtain acceptance, that they are wanting to obtain approval from them, and so they may decide to use that to their own personal advantage and deceive a person into thinking that they are accepted in the event that they will do or say or believe the things that those people want them to believe, say, or do. This is a very real problem that many people deal with, And many people are manipulated or victimized as a result of this desire, this deep need that they have within them, trying to have that need met by other people in the wrong places at the wrong time in the wrong environments that certainly the Lord never intended for them to be a part of or to be around. And he certainly did not intend for them to be controlled by the people that they would find in these environments or in these areas of life. Instead, it's very important to understand that our God created us for the purpose of providing us with the acceptance that we have a deep need for. This is very important to realize that he did not create us for the purpose of obtaining our needs, the needs that we have within our very being. From the world that he created, he created us so that he could meet those needs. And this is a very important thing to realize. Otherwise, you can very easily be manipulated or victimized by the entire world to a certain extent if you have been deceived into believing that the world is there for the purpose of meeting your personal individual needs. And I have, of course, witnessed many examples of many people who have been very much manipulated and victimized as a result of this belief that for some reason they had been convinced of at a certain point in their life that everyone around them was there for the purpose of meeting their personal emotional needs. And yet this certainly is not true. Now, the subcultures that I'm referring to in our society, the subcultures of different groups of people doing different activities, or the subcultures of the kinds of employment that we have available to us that we can participate in, are certainly not the only opportunities to fall into this common trap of being deceived and manipulated and even victimized as a result of our desire to be accepted. Religion also provides us with a wonderful opportunity to be victimized by these same principles that I've just described about the world. Within many religious institutions, within many religious subcultures, there is also a very powerful attraction from these cultures, from these groups of people. They often advertise on the basis of trying to get people in, telling them that if they will just arrive, if you will come to our fellowship, if you will come to our church, then you will experience acceptance because of the acceptance that we have available to provide for you. You will experience a sense of love because of the love that we have for you. You will experience a sense of purpose in your life because we'll give you activities to be involved in to make you into a better person than who you are right now. And as a result of your activity, as a result of your work in the church, not just your work in the world, but also your work in the church and the identity that you can assume because of your success and your involvement and participation in the kinds of things that they are involved in, you can also receive a dramatic amount of acceptance provided, of course, that you do conform properly and you obey the rules and the regulations and the principles that they believe that you should be obeying. And that's the catch, and that is that they will bait you in on the basis of reaching out to this need that you have to be a part of something, this need to be accepted because of your participation in being a part of something. 
your need to be accepted by other people. You do have the need to be accepted, but like I said before, the deception is is that you do not believe or you have been deceived from the truth that your God created you to meet that need himself. Instead, it is often advertised that someone else can meet that need, and people will approach you on that basis. They will approach you out of the attitude, out of the principle, that if you will just participate with us, then we will accept you. However, this only goes for so long. This only goes so far. Eventually, there will come a point when the acceptance becomes much more conditional, that there are rules and regulations, that there are principles of life, And they may be very good principles in the sense that you should not be committing sin. And so they may identify some sins in your life and they will threaten to withhold the acceptance or the love that they had for you before. They will threaten to withhold that from you in the event that you don't get that stuff out of your life, in the event that you don't stop sinning. So you must stop sinning, otherwise you will not be accepted by these people anymore. This is a very powerful motivator that many people are controlled by, many people use to control other people as well, in order to try to build a society, in order to try to build a subculture and sustain it on the basis of these particular philosophical beliefs and religious institutions, religious infrastructures, religious churches, religious fellowships are perfect for this kind of manipulation. It's very important to understand. Now, I'm not saying that in order to try to discount the seriousness of sin and to say that it's not evil and to say that we should not be trying to avoid sin. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that many people are trying to use a deep need that others have improperly, incorrectly. They are trying to use that in order to manipulate them into doing things or being the kind of person that this individual who is manipulating them wants them to be. Out of great sincerity, they may want their lives to be changed. However, they are assuming a position that they do not have. They are assuming that they are God in that person's life who will direct them and guide them and motivate them and teach them and instruct them in a certain specific way or several ways in order to try to get them to clean up their life, to change their life and stop sinning. That's how many people do really function. That is what many people believe who are in leadership positions in many churches throughout the world. This is not unusual. Do not be deceived by this recognize that this is a reality. And if you don't believe me, then I would encourage you to go out there and spend some time with various churches. Get out there a little bit more than perhaps you are involved at the present time. Get out there and and find out whether or not what I am saying is true, because I am simply testifying of what I personally have experienced over the years through visiting and participating in many congregations throughout my life. Now, I'm not saying this in order to try to discredit them or to say that they are of no value whatsoever. I'm only saying this in order to help you understand that first you have a deep need that you have within you, that your God gave you, that you have it as a God-given need. The world can use that, and so also the church and religious institutions can use that as well for their own purposes. Instead, what I really want you to understand is through this desire to have an identity, through this desire to have some purpose, some value in your life, in order to have this need to be accepted, fulfilled, in order to really experience some sense of peace and rest in your own heart, you must truly believe the truth that your God created you so that he could meet this need for you personally. 
This is very important to understand. However, it is impossible to understand if there are some other things that you need to understand that you just don't understand. Let me give an example. Consider the subject of forgiveness. It is very common in most religious institutions and most churches to teach people, it is very common, to teach people that they are not truly forgiven by their God. In other words, their God does hold sins against them. Now, there are many people who will say that they believe in the forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future, because the Lord Jesus died for their sins. They may say that. That's not the problem. The problem is everything else they say after they say that, that will effectively and totally, absolutely contradict that very important truth. It is very common for people to say that your sins are being held against you, but, for example, not for your salvation. They are now held against you in the sense that you will not be blessed by your God. Or perhaps he might curse you to a certain degree. Or you will not receive rewards in heaven. Those are other things that people teach in order to try to motivate people to change their life on the basis of acceptance. They're saying that, no, your God truly does not accept you perfectly. He doesn't really accept you perfectly because he's holding some sins against you, not for the sake of salvation, but instead now for the sake of withholding blessings. Maybe he's going to curse you or, or he's going to withhold rewards that you would otherwise receive. And so on that basis, you are not truly accepted in Christ Jesus. This is what many people teach, and because of this, people don't know what else to do. Often they find themselves in a condition where they're extraordinarily depressed because they have no idea what to do next. These are the kinds of people that I interact with more than others. Many people who are sincerely struggling with the reality that they know that their God has something for them in order to provide them with peace and rest, but they have no idea how or if or when they will ever experience that. And this is why. It's because they believe something like this. And so they come to me and they ask me, what is it that they're not getting right? And quite often, this is it, that they do not believe that their God does not hold their sins against them. Our identity in Christ Jesus is the identity of a forgiven person. We are forgiven in Christ Jesus. He does not hold our sins against us anymore because of what he did. When he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he truly did die in order to take away the entire sin of the entire world. The entire world has been set free from the sins in terms of how God relates to them. Our God does not look at anyone on the basis of their sin anymore. Now, certainly the whole world is not saved, and that's because I do not believe that forgiveness is salvation. Forgiveness makes salvation possible, but it certainly is not salvation. If that was true, then everybody in the entire world would be saved. Instead, it is important to acknowledge and understand that salvation is the restoration of the life of God that had been lost in Adam. That is salvation. There was a problem in the Garden of Eden that the spirit of life that had been breathed into Adam and Eve was withdrawn because of their sin in the Garden, and that life has to be restored. That is the life that our God has offered to us in Christ Jesus because of what Christ Jesus did for us. And with that being restored within you, you are then resurrected from the dead, born again of the Spirit. And through that, you are saved. You are saved from the condition of being dead in your trespasses and sins. And this life that you receive will never be lost because there is no sin left unforgiven that will cause that life to depart from within you, for the wages of sin is death, and you will never experience that death again because he doesn't hold your sins against you. Your identity as an individual on this earth is is a forgiven person. 
This forgiveness certainly is not realized or appreciated or is of any value whatsoever unless you receive the free gift of the life of God that will remain within you eternally. But everyone is effectively forgiven. But you specifically, you in Christ, now that you are in Christ, you have forgiveness. You are guaranteed that you have forgiveness and that you are a forgiven person. Now, if you are a forgiven person, then the implications of this truth are very far-reaching. For example, in a previous broadcast, I was mentioning that you are a saint. Well, you are a saint because you are forgiven, because your God does not hold any of your sins against you. It is written in Romans chapter 8, verse 27. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 27. It says, And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You are a saint because of what he did, and he intercedes on your behalf in the event that anyone wants to bring up any of your sin whatsoever. You do not deal with your sin on your behalf. He deals with your sin on your behalf. Consider the church in Corinth. They obviously had some serious struggles, as we see what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians, the letter 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. It says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Did you notice that? Saints by calling. You are a saint because he has called you to himself. He has called out to you saying that he is offering to you salvation. If you will receive that which he is offering, then you are one of those that he called out to. You are one of those who are saved. You are one of those who are now a saint of God. It also says here in verse 2 that you are sanctified. You have already been sanctified. Now, for those of you who have had some reasonable exposure to several churches in your life, how many times have you heard a message, either directly or indirectly, that suggests to you that you are not sanctified, that you are going through perhaps a process of sanctification? Well, that is a lie out of the pit of hell. Certainly we are experiencing some change as we mature in Christ Jesus and sin is being removed from within us. But the word sanctification has to do with being set apart as a result of what Christ Jesus did for you. And folks, you have been sanctified. If you're listening to somebody who's telling you that you have not been sanctified, you're listening to somebody who is lying to you. They are being dishonest with you because the word of God is very clear with regards to this. It is very straightforward. Consider Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22. That's Colossians chapter 1 verse 22. Acts chapter 26 verse 18. Acts chapter 26 verse 18. There are many passages in the scriptures that reveal this very clearly that you have already been sanctified because of what Christ Jesus has already done for you. I do not see how anybody can say that they are a minister or a priest or a pastor who says that they study the word of God and do not recognize that a person has been sanctified because of what Christ Jesus did for them. Now, they often will argue with me by saying, well, you have been sanctified in one way, but not necessarily in another. And I still personally totally reject that notion and look at the word of God for what it says. And that is that you have been sanctified. You have been set apart. And so if that's true, then you are accepted by Christ Jesus. You are accepted in him. Your God does not hold any of your sins against you. And so why do they, 
Why do they hold your sins against you? Well, they hold your sins against you because they're trying to manipulate and control you. That's why they don't trust that the Holy Spirit of God will transform and change you as he sees fit. They don't believe that the living God will grow you and mature you in the way that he wants you to be grown and matured. They do not believe that he will complete the work that he began in you. Instead, they believe that that is their role in your life, to be your God. That's what they believe. And while they may not be willing to say it, I am willing to say it because I've talked with them behind closed doors and in other settings where that truly is their attitude. It's just that they don't want to tell you that because they know that if they did, if they were exposed, then you would just abandon them altogether and they would have to find a way to make a living in some other way because they wouldn't be able to do it by deceiving the people that come to visit them at least once a week. This is a reality, and I certainly do feel comfortable in saying it because I know many people who are listening to this right now know exactly what I'm saying, and they've been thinking it, and yet they've been afraid of acknowledging it because of the fear factor and because of the control that they have been oppressed with throughout most of their life. But I'm going to tell you right now that this is a truth that will set you free. You look into the Word of God and see whether or not this is true, and I sincerely believe you will find that it is. Your God accepts you perfectly, and he has done that so that you can be set free from the burdens and the controls and the manipulations that you will experience not only in the world, but also in a church. Now, of course, not every church is like this, don't get me wrong, but it must be said that the vast majority of them that I have personally interacted with, they are like this. This is how they function, this is how they exist And they prosper very well because a lot of people do support that kind of false teaching. Now, please understand that the forgiveness that you have is extremely far-reaching, not just on this level of acceptance alone, not just on this level of being a saint or being sanctified. It is extremely far-reaching in terms of every aspect of your daily life. If you have been forgiven, then you have been set free from the law. You have been set free from any law, for that matter. In other words, your God does not hold your sins against you, and so in that sense, it does not matter what you do or what you don't do. That's of no importance. Now, he has not set you free so that you can go out and indulge your flesh. That's not why he did that. You must continue and follow through with an important reality that can now be experienced because of this truth. If you take this truth and go run with it and go engage the world thinking that you can go out and indulge your flesh, then you have completely lost sight of why he set you free. He set you free so that, certainly, he can accept you. And if he does, it will dramatically change the way that you interact with the world around you. Dramatically change it with your identity being a forgiven person and being an accepted person. It will dramatically change the way that you interact with the world that you have before you. There are many aspects of life, who you will engage with on a personal level, who you will work with, the kinds of work that you will do. You will no longer be motivated by what you think you're going to acquire from it, but instead, you will then have the opportunity to be set free to the extent where you can now go and engage the world with how you are going to give to it, how you are going to be of service to it. You have been set free from the burdens of trying to go into the world thinking of how the world may service you. Instead, now you are set free so that you can love other people, so that you can accept other people, so that you can engage the world to be a part of it and to be of service to it, so that hopefully through the interactions that you have with other people, 
you will have a greater opportunity to tell them about the living God who also wants to have a personal interactive relationship with them to set them free and to provide them with the peace that you have deep in your heart. You have been set free from the law, from any law for that matter, so that you can experience this in a very personal way with your God. That is why he set you free, so that you could experience that. And so whenever anybody comes to you and says that you need to stop doing something or you need to start doing something so that you can be accepted by your God, if you go down that path, you will be totally distracted, totally distracted from the love and the acceptance that your God has for you and you will not live in it and you will not realize it and your life will not be changed until you finally get sick and tired of trying to be a person that you're not. Because you cannot be God, only He can be God. And so you should just let Him do it, and not try to live your life in accordance with what is good and evil. Your identity as a forgiven person has set you free, so that you can begin to experience this. But that still is only the beginning. It is very important to understand that your identity in Christ Jesus, this identity that you now have, which is described very easily in various ways, You have a new identity in the sense that you are a forgiven person. You have a new identity in the sense that you are a saint of Christ Jesus. You are a saint of God. You have a new identity in that you are a sanctified person. You are a holy person. You are set apart. These are descriptions that explain to you that you are a completely different person. But the need that you have is not to be a different person, not in that sense. You do not have the need of having a new identity. The subject of identity can easily be a distraction from the true deepest needs that we have. And in this program, I have really focused on the need of acceptance. But there are other needs that we have. We have a need for love. We have a need for understanding in the world that we are a part of. We do have a need for forgiveness. Having a true understanding of our identity in Christ will set us free from the burdens and from the bondage of religion and from the world from the acceptance that we seek from other people, it is an opportunity to really be set free. But it is an opportunity to be set free so that we can truly rest in and trust in and rely on our personal relationship with our God. We can truly rely on and rest in Him. We can truly rest in Him and let Him meet our needs. We do not really have a need for an identity The identity that we have will set us free so that he can meet the deepest needs of our heart. And that is what I want to encourage you to pursue, to understand the freedom that you have, but also to recognize that the value of the freedom that you have is so that you can actually experience a relationship with your God and be transformed through his indwelling presence in your life. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you man.